Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Under the Mackie and Judd umbrella, it is time for Conduit to Trouble, which is Zolgad and Star Tribune sports columnist Chip Scoggins. We are recording this on Thursday, Chip. We have a ton to get to. Hope all is well. Uh, how excited... How excited are you about Big Ten football now returning in October? And here's the juxtaposition to the question that I'm asking you, though. How excited are you because you love college football? and But overall, as a guy who's covered sports for a long time, how do you also feel about it? Yeah, you know, I am uh, really excited, obviously, uh, just from a fan's perspective, to be able to watch college football again. Um, I'm comfortable with it, Judd, because of the the – new safety measures they have in there. I mean, if you're going to test athletes every day, you're going to be able to identify if someone's asymptomatic. And, you know, we know that there's uh, whatever the percentage is of young people that get it and never know they had it because they just, they don't have the symptoms, but they could, they could spread it. Well, if you're going to test them and have this rapid testing that a lot of the power five conferences are using now, and you're, you can identify you know, whatever, however long it takes, 15 minutes or whatever, half hour, that, hey, this, you know, this player X has tested positive, let's pull them out of the out of the locker room. And you have more information on myocarditis now, and they're creating a heart registry. Um, so I, I, feel, I feel comfortable with it. I really do. I mean, I think um, this is, you know, the safeguards they have in place, you're not going to probably – be able to prevent it yep. entirely, and we've seen outbreaks at other, uh, you know, other colleges. Um, but I, I feel comfortable going forward. I really do. So, did the did the conference as a whole? I believe it was August 11th when they announced that they weren't going to play, uh, probably until the winter or spring. Did the conference presidents and, and commissioner Kevin Warren, in your opinion, now do the right thing, or was there a slower play here yeah. that, in retrospect, they should have and could have taken that? might not have started the season on time, but wouldn't have made this appear to be, for lack of a better uh, phrase, Chip, so wishy-washy of we're not playing, we're not playing, we're not playing, kick it off. Yeah, they, they screwed it up, Judd. Um, they made the decision when they didn't have to. The, the right play would have been to do what the SEC and ACC did. If they would have come out you know, on that day and say, you know what, we're just not comfortable with what we're hearing, we don't feel like the testing's there, the myocarditis component gives us pause, so we're going to delay the season. We're not going to be able to kick off on what was it supposed to be September, whatever the date was, um, the original date. 
we're going to we're going to delay everything uh, by a month just to see what happens because this thing changes as everybody says it's so fluid. Um, and then we'll reconvene in, in a month and see where things are at with testing, with just data science. I think people would have understood that, but instead they, you know, they let they put out a schedule, let teams come back to practice, and four days later it's like, no, can't do it. You know, <laughs> we'll we'll, do, we'll see in, in in the winter or spring. And so I think they created this uh, their own the pushback that they got, the anger and the just the lack of transparency that they gave people. Um, in, in explaining why they did that. So they, they rushed into a decision when they had time and they should have slow played it like the SEC did. And they wouldn't have created all the uproar and, and uh, infighting that they did, um, you know, for the last, whatever it was, 40 days. Do you like nine games? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, they have no wiggle room. And, and here's the thing, Judd, every team's not going to play nine games. Right. You, you just, I mean, look around. I mean, we, how many games have already been postponing college football because of outbreaks? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to create an interesting di- dilemma because, let's be honest, they're doing this because of one thing, right? Well, they want the money, but two, they want to get in the college football playoff. And that's why they... For the they, money. <laughs> for yeah, the money, for the yes, money. you're right, but TV. They, they want to get in that college football playoff. and so Absolutely. So you have to have... I don't think you can play seven or eight games and the college football playoffs going to pick you. I, I just don't. If you have other conferences playing 10, 11 games and you play seven, um, I, I don't know how you, unless you're Ohio state and you're beating everybody by 50 and you say, okay, they're, they're one of the four best teams. Um, so it's, yeah, it, you, you know, nine is good, but nine and nine weeks, that's going to be hard without a buy. If, if everything was just normal, playing nine games in nine weeks without a buy. Yep. But when you're testing, Judd, the one thing I, I noted in my column today that just leapt off the page to me is if you test positive, you're down for 21 days. Yep. So that's three games. You know, you could be without your quarterback, your key player. You could, you know, it, what if you have eight guys test positive? Well, those eight guys are out during the season. They're done for three weeks. And so – it's going to be very disruptive, and I, and I won't be surprised if um, – I don't think all 14 teams will play the same number of games. I just don't. And there's no wiggle room. There's no buy, so you can't reschedule. It's just – I assume you just lose the game. Wow. So if, if you test positive, it's 21 days? 21 days. you Mandatory. At a minimum, it said. And so any positive test, you are sidelined from competition for 21 days. And Chipper, wasn't there something too about uh, it's a five percent threshold? So if there's, you know, I don't know how many guys are in, on the program, but if there's, a, let's say it's a hundred and five guys test positive, then the whole team shuts down, right? Yeah, and it's 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 five percent. I think it's um, in your student enrollment too, right? It, it, the the thresholds I, I, it's confusing to me, but yeah, it's either five or seven percent. They they labeled them by uh, green, orange, and red. I think it was, but um, yeah. So if, if there's if the entire team passes a certain threshold, then the team has to shut down for a minimum of seven days. And so oh, wow. that's where you could, right. you know, if that, you know, and that's what I wrote today is, is Judd, house parties are done. If you're, if you're, if you're an athlete, if you're a football player, I know college is fun and going out and, you know, socializing and all that. But if this has any chance of working, you have to create as much of a, a bubble on campus as you can. I mean, it has to be home, school, practice home and that's it i mean you just because that 
the things they put in place are incredibly uh, stringent. Like the 21 day, I think most people, I don't even know if someone said, would the CDC even, you know, suggest that that long if someone tests positive? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you test positive in your season, you're missing three games at a minimum. And so it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how this works and how that component, um, you know, affects games and affects the season because, you could see some, you know, teams really trying to piece this together and figure out if they have enough players to play even. So let's go there. Um, and here, so here's my biggest question for uh, the college football and college um, administrators who are going to be in charge of of the testing and coordinating this. After the Cardinals incident here, when they had a bunch of guys who clearly went to different rooms, were around, I think, probably asymptomatic teammates, and got Mm -hmm. sick. After that, I think baseball came down and said, when we travel, your teams are not to leave their hotel rooms, they're not to leave their hotels, uh, call room service for the food, but you are not to, you are basically confined, you are a prisoner, I think, of your room, because if you're not, it's too big of gamble. But these are professional athletes who you can, they're adults, but you can threaten them like pretty well and tell them, if you leave your room and we and we decide to go after your salary, you're screwed. I believe the National Football League has language about that exact thing, too, saying that if you get this and we find out why and we don't like the why, you could potentially be in trouble and, again, mm-hmm. be susceptible to to losing money from your contract. All that being said, I guess my question is this. Besides just being a good teammate, we're talking about very young men in college football, and what's the hammer? Like, I think the Gophers have a chance because I think the players respect Fleck, and I think Fleck does a good job of coordinating things. So not necessarily with the Gopher program, but I could think of a lot of college football programs where the head coach is probably considered, to use a Mackey and Judd term, a buffoon. Uh-huh. Players don't respect said coach. Players are young and dumb, and, and ideal world, they do the right thing. But again, at 21 or 20, yeah. do you do the right thing? Often you you don't. I'm just curious what the hammer is here to keep this train going, because I can tell you in pro sports, it's your money is mm-hmm. is staying in my pocket. It's, it's the honor system. That's, that's that's how they're going to try to make it work. Yeah, I mean, cause it's not like you can find them. No, <laughs> gonna, I know. You're not going to cut them. You, I, I assume you... You could maybe suspend them from a game if you found out they went to a house party or something. But, no, I mean, there's no real – I guess you could get them up and make them run at 6 a.m. That could be – you could have punishment that way. But there's not the, hey, you could lose your job if we find out that you went to a house party or, I don't know, even bars are open. But, if you, you know, if you're socializing or being in a, you know, kind of a dangerous uh, situation in terms of spreading this. And so, no, there is no real hammer. And it's – Every coach I've heard talk on the Big Ten or whatever, that's the one thing they they talk about: personal accountability. We got to, you know, if this is going to work, you got to protect your teammates. And it's it's going to be hard because I mean, think like you know, I wrote this in my column today. Is like, and, and we've seen videos right of of different college campuses where kids are lined up at bars or they're, they're at a house party or whatever, and you know they're gathering. Maybe not everybody's wearing a mask and they're not social distancing, and it would be you know incredibly hypocritical of me to say, oh, I would never have done that when I was in college. I would have been knee-deep in it. I mean, I've been right there. You yeah, know, I, I know. Me too. That's what college kids do. I, I don't, you know. Right. They're not 
thinking about these things in in the in the way that you know maybe adults do and so it's going to be hard i mean you know is this because it's not like a one or two week thing i mean this is a nine week stretch and you wonder like if teams you know if, if some teams are like oh and five or guys gonna be as disciplined as they need to be as, as a team if, if you're six and oh or you know seven and one or whatever it's all rules because you can see it you know maybe a championship or something big in your future and it's easier to buy in everything if you're oh and six are you gonna have the same level of diligence about not going out and not um putting yourself in in tough situations so it's it's gonna be hard i mean but there's no it really is come down to the honor system and just you know i don't know man that seems like a stretch i you know the one thing i will say that i think that you know i think they will be able to control the spread though judd with the daily testing because You'll just you'll be able to identify every sure. day this, this person positive, and you can pull them out. Whereas if you didn't have those daily testings, and you say, okay, we we're going to test once a week, well, that thing could spread through an entire locker room in a week by the time you test them again. And so, I think this will help with that. It'll help with contact tracing. It won't be as much of a burden on schools. So I really like the you know the fact. I'm sure it's expensive, and the Big Ten have to pay a lot of money for it. But um, I think that is going to be a you know I think the uh, Bowles be the Big 12 commissioner called it a game changer. Mm-hmm. I really think it is. I think it is a game changer for college sports. Big 10 wise too, where, where do we stand with the rest of the fall sports then? Well, Kevin Warren said yesterday that um, they're actually going to meet today to figure that out because, you know, a lot of the fall sports had um, had moved their championships to the spring uh, after, after the, you know, initial postponement. So, uh, they're they're figuring it out. I assume by the end of this week, uh, how they're going to proceed. You know, I, you're going to have to do something because I don't think it's fair to say, okay, we're going to play football and everybody else, you're out of luck. <laughs> they just might chip. <laughs> they might, but you know, they already had lawsuits over this one. I can guarantee you, somebody will file a lawsuit if that happens. You know, and oh yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know what it'll look like. I mean, they got to figure out how to. If you've already moved the spring, you know, the championships to the spring, can you move them back? I don't know how the logistical stuff will work, but they're they're talking about this the rest of this week. All right, sir. Your takeaway and potential level of concern about what we both saw in a bizarre, eerie, vacant U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday yeah. in watching the Vikings and the Packers. Judd, we spent how much time last week talking about if they don't get a pass rush, what's it going to do to their secondary? Remember that was our talker last week. Absolutely was yes. We we saw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's bad. It, it was bad. It was here's, as predicted. Here's, here's the other thing. I didn't I didn't realize this until I saw Seifert's note about the lack of holding penalties. Oh, I didn't see that. What you was didn't the note? See it? No. Seifert went back and looked at holding penalties from week one last year to holding penalties called this week one of this year. Mm-hmm. And it's like a twenty-year low. It went from like eighty-seven to ten. They really? Call holding. No, they basically the NFL said don't call holding penalties. And go back and wow. find it. It's remarkable. Okay. So, so if that's going to be, in, you know, and I don't know that, you know, I, I didn't study it. Go back and review it to see if you know the Packers were holding, and that is that part of the reason why they weren't getting there. But um, might have contributed to it because there just weren't any holding penalties called around the league. Um, I would say it's a a concern. Can he play better? I think they'll play better this weekend. But the things we went in, I mean, those those young quarterbacks, 
you can't snap your finger and make them experience. Correct. I mean, this is just something, I mean, they're not going to be older overnight from one week to the next. So they're going to, I think these growing pains are going to continue and they just have to, you know, one, they have to get more pressure. They have to figure out whether it's blitz or whatever, guys playing better, but they're going to have to figure out how to get more pressure because um, they just can't ask those guys to, to cover that long. If you, if you let Aaron Rodgers or any quarterback sit back there and have that kind of time, there's, yep. you know, it's not going to work. So, Chip, the scary stat that I, I saw, because as I watched the game via the eye test, right, mm-hmm. it didn't look to me like they blitzed a, a ton. There was a, a stat that I think was put out by a Sports Radar that the Vikings actually blitzed on something like 43% of the offensive snaps by the Packers after wow, bl- after blitzing that. on something like 24% on average last year. Anthony Barr, according to the stat, blitzed 12 times, Kendricks six times. I barely noticed Barr at all in any predicament, any situation on Sunday. But my response was, was that stat, if true, and I'm guessing it was, that stat, if true, makes it scarier because you did then try and send blitzes to get to Rodgers, and you failed miserably then while trying to help your corners. Like, to me... Sound the yeah. alarm here because if you were trying to blitz, you would. And and Zim's point was, well, Rogers got the ball out quick, which I think he did sometimes. But I'm not sure about you. Yeah. There were times when he dropped back, and I swear to God, his eyes got big because he's like, "Do I really have this much time against the Minnesota Vikings?" Yeah. So, so all of that to me becomes more concerning because clearly. Zimmer was trying to help his young cornerbacks by blitzing, and not only did they not get home to Rodgers, I don't think they came particularly close. No, and I, boy, I, I, that surprised me that the, the blitz numbers show that much. I just at first, at first blush, I didn't think that they blitzed that much, but um, that is doubly scary. <laughs> if they're blitzing more than normal, and they, and they still didn't get to him in second once. Um, I, yeah, I. I mean, listen, he does get the ball out quickly, and some of those were, were quick because uh, they were playing so far off of Adams. They would just throw those quick outs and get him, you know, pick up decent chunks. Um, but that's not reassuring. And, hey, Judd, I just looked up the stat here from our friend Kevin Seifert from ESPN. NFL holding penalties, week one, 2019, 82. Okay. Week one, 2020, 18. <laughs> I love the NFL. Judd, Don't call that. The second fewest total penalties in 20 years last week. Oh, my gosh. So they so, just told him, don't call it. That's got to be an edict from up high, right? Oh, Zimmer has to be going crazy. Oh, he's yeah. got to be going nuts. Zim has to be pounding the desk in his office, calling up people at the league saying, what the hell are you doing to me? Yeah, I mean, I mean that clearly had to come from them saying, let's not call a bunch of holding penalties and, and see if that helps the – you know, the way the the viewing pleasure, you know, that people are sick of flags. So yes. um, his head might explode if that happens again this week. And here's the other thing, Judd. I think the Colts have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL, right? Yeah, they have a very good yeah. offensive line. I mean, now, Nelson, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's um, it'll be interesting to see. Now, you know, obviously the quarterback's different. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get any more kind of pressure or if, the, or if that, you know, the – the flag, lack of flags, and holding at that, uh, if that's if that stays that way, defense coaches are going to lose their mind. <laughs> you know? Oh, and Zimmer will go absolutely ballistic because he'll lead the charge to uh, to uh, Goodell and company to confront them. How many videos do you think he sent in this week? 
Oh my God! I didn't. I had no clue that that it was that low. Yeah, 18, eighteen holding calls in all the games. That is remarkable. Down from what I say, 82, 87. 87 the first week last year. Eighteen this year. Yeah. So so what's the so in in your mind from a starting point, just defensively, what do you think the alterations are? Because you know you're. The level of the quarterback that you're facing on Sunday is obviously going to go down. It's not going to be as yeah. high. Uh, but that being said, you know, I think you're you're right, Chipper. Those young cornerbacks just need experience. Like, how do you how do you make up for for that in a short period of time here without dropping to let's say zero and four? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously Devontae Adams is you know one of the better receivers in the NFL, but outside of him. I mean, their receiving core was not great, right? I mean, they're just some guys. And so it's not like you face three all-pro wide receivers in, in, in week one. I mean, you face a really good one. but um, So I don't know if you could you know, try to be more physical at the line. Would, would that help be more disruptive? Um, you know, if, you, if you're telling me that Zimmer blitz that much, which we know he doesn't want to do that, that's not his M.O. No. First they get it with four and – Correct. With just his front four, and so clearly they were trying something to to help those guys and, and doing something that's sort of out of character for for Zimmer. So that was one change. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, but that's my point. I, I don't is know. I, don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I don't know that Mike has the actual patience to go through the process that that he is fully putting himself through. Cam Dantzler Chipper had perfect coverage, basically, on Marquez Valdez Scantling on on the Rodgers 45-yard touchdown pass at the end or near the end of the second quarter. That coverage was really damn good, Mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. And Aaron can throw that ball to basically put it by um, Dantzler's ear hole right now and drop it right in, which he did. It's a perfect pass. From a coaching standpoint, it's a teachable thing. And yeah. and it's a patience thing. And look, I mean, Mike is really good, I, I think, in the long play of eventually tutoring cornerbacks. But as far as turning around from no preseason games and a shortened training camp in which the practices certainly are not all that hard, and then going into week one against an outstanding quarterback, I don't know that his teaching skills and patience um, coincide with that being successful, and now my question becomes: How long is this all going to take to come together? Yeah, and and, and think about just kind of the perfect storm there, Judd. You're facing one of the you know greatest quarterbacks ever. Yep. Um, in your first NFL game, with no preseason, no off season, and no crowd noise to disrupt that quarterback. I mean, it was like they were playing in your backyard. He could do whatever. I mean, there was just no intimidation factor or even anything that was going to disrupt the timing because of the noise. And so it, you know, I want to see how they play. Well, and the other thing is dancers on the injury report this week, you know, he didn't practice. Yeah. So yep. um, we'll see what he, if he does any work today, but um, you know, maybe, you know, I have to think they'll play better as it, as it goes along here. You know, it's just, it's just, you want it to happen overnight yes. and we, we know it's just, that's not how it works. And so, I think there just might be some bumpy weeks for these guys as they go through it. And this is why Zimmer wanted that contract extension, among other things, right? You knew it was going to be a challenge uh, with so many new faces on defense. And I just don't think, as we talked about, when you know they're going to give him an extension, they're like, this should not be the year to you know 
be the ultimatum on a coach. Oh, agree. And you're dealing with so many young players. And so Absolutely. I, just think, I, Judd, I just think it might be bumpy for a while. You know, I yeah. really do. And I think he'll play better. You know, I mean, you're not facing Aaron Rodgers every week. Um, but I think there's going to be some times where you're just like, oh, boy. You know, yep. they're picking on the rookies. So, Well, and, and I, I think um, to that point, that does sort of jibe with why Mike on his postgame Zoom was for him, quote-wise, as calm as he could possibly be. Because that's a bad loss, just as yeah. far as... That that was not a game, despite the fact that um, they scored a bunch of late touchdowns after Packer touchdowns, that was not a game that felt that close. And and I thought that Mike's comments on Sunday post game were very tempered, and it might be because of that. And, and his, at least publicly... His realization, knowing that yeah. one that one he put them here, and two to what you just said, it's going to take a while to dig out and for guys to actually be comfortable enough to play well consistently. Well, and, and with this many new faces and everything that's gone on, with no, I mean, you can't ride the roller coaster. I mean, he we know he doesn't. <laughs> he wants to guys. Yeah, I know, and we know he's not patient. He you know he may lose his cool at some point, but if you come out ranting and raving and you know like the sky is falling after game one, that's not that's not the way to go about it you know and, and I think he realizes like okay this is not you know maybe how I envisioned it it's not what I wanted right um because he, he thought he'd have the whole off season to work with these guys in the preseason they'd be in better you know a little bit further ahead so I think he's probably maybe biting his tongue a little, a little bit you know um I didn't think it was interesting when I asked him the question about the fourth and three how he noted that the quarterback had a Thielen one-on-one on the other side. That was a nice He has no patience for quarterbacks. He never has. <laughs> Kickers and quarterbacks drive him absolutely crazy. And and I will say this, though. I I fault Mike and Gary because when Gary, if it truly went from the coaching booth, fourth and three, right? Gary Kubiak yeah. asked Mike, can I take a shot? The response is no. No, no yeah. the ball's going to Irv Smith Jr., Rudolph, or Dalvin Cook, Gary. Or even Feeling. Well, that's fine, but we're getting four yeah. yards. Get four yards. Yeah, I can't. No, I, that for the life of me. I mean, he, you know, he, he was quick to say, you know, he, uh, Cousins had Thielen one on one the other side. But it's like, why are you throwing a bomb in that? And you know, yes. deep in that, and that to say no, do something more high percentage than that. You know, Amen. Yes, that drove me. But that play call. So, so I love going for it, and I love the play oh, call yeah, for sure, and I love the play call. I hate the play call in going for it. Yes. You yes. know, first down, and, hey, do it. And here's the thing, Judd, is like, I don't think they're going to win that game because their cornerbacks were, you know, so overmatched. Yeah, um, I agree. But that was sort of the moment of truth. I mean, if you could score there, at least it'd make it interesting. And I think, you know, you know, you maybe put a little bit of doubt in them. So that, I mean, to call that play at that position, you know, in that situation it's just like oh my god explain this one Ex- explain the safety explain the play call on the safety yeah that's another one i mean and uh, you know i don't know who is the fault there if it was Steven has to run hot there if, if the you know the uh, someone told me that if a, a corner crosses your face you have to break it off and do hot or down whoever was supposed to pick it up but i think i would run down a couple times just to yes. you know to live for another day there i mean instead of having a deep drop back and you know, that was just tempting uh, playing with fire, I think, at that point. But um, I was more annoyed by the fourth and three call than that one. Yeah, I just don't get So if if you are, if you have Kirk Cousins in his third year here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so by by game one, 
year three, I know Kirk. Like I know what Kirk can do, and Kirk can do a lot of things. Um, and I have and I have the ball essentially in the end zone. All right. Mm-hmm. I am saying to myself, Kirk Cousins, one thing I know he has problems with, because we can fault him for, for saying he's got to know that corner is coming and, and be aware of that situationally. And we can say that, and that probably is fair. But Kirk Cousins is also 30-something now. He is deep into his career, and he's his third year here. That play call, knowing who your quarterback is, is and your, irres- ir- and your line is irresponsible. Like, you yeah. have to help him. How do you help him? The ball goes to Dalvin Cook. I mean, it's yeah. this is not rocket science here. Yeah, and, you know, well, yeah, Cousins and your, and your offensive line, who's had a tough time protecting this. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, guess what? The Packers know that, too. <laughs> so if yeah. They, if they feel like you're going to pass, or you know, they're going to bring a corner blitz. And I mean, it was the perfect play call, and they just didn't pick it up. And, yeah, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this the other day, Judd. What positives do you take from that game? And I don't want to hear about the garbage time touchdowns. And all yeah, that. I don't either. Green, and, so Green that, Bay, and by the Green way, played differently. that drove me crazy, too, because because on every one of those touchdowns that the Vikings scored and Cousins actually played well, he was chasing the game. He's the yeah. master at that. If the Packers had failed to score a touchdown, I guarantee you the Vikings' next possession is not a touchdown, okay? Yeah. So yeah, he's chasing they, the game. So I'm with you. Um, when it mattered, the offense, to me, gets sort of an incomplete because I think they had the ball for, what, 18 minutes yeah. plus, some ridiculously low the total. Franchise low. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so they largely get an incomplete. But as far as um, positives that I take from that game, I am – wait, hold on a second here. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking out loud right now. I'm trying to think of something that would be a positive. Uh, here it is. You've got a plenty of room to improve on yeah, every end, it. including coaching. Irv Smith Jr. has to be targeted more than once. Yeah. Dalvin yeah. Cook was targeted twice, caught one for minus two yards. Um, so you have plenty of room to rethink, to go to your room, sit on your bed, and think about what you did wrong and come down, and then I'll feed you against Indianapolis because you got a lot of room. <laughs> and there was just some really weird stuff there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, Sorry, go you ahead. Know the other thing, Jen, I, I think there's no such thing as home field advantage. Mm. Do oh, you? No, 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 I don't. Um, so, so when I went to my first Twins game at Target Field, Mm-hmm. with piped-in noise and no crowd. I would say three innings into it. It's still weird. Don't get me wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. I would say three innings in, though, to that experience, I was like, all right, yeah, it's weird, but but I'm, but I'm it's fine. I don't, after Sunday, I don't think I will ever be used to seeing a football game played in a stadium with piped-in noise and all and all of the intensity, Chip, yeah. Of what what felt like a Saturday morning youth soccer game at yeah. some at some Woodbury outdoor field. Yeah, it's like they're playing in your backyard. I mean, it's yeah, it uh, you know because the baseball thing, it, you know, it's it's a little weird, but it's not affecting the game. It's right. really not. You know, it, it has. I don't think it has any bearing on the outcome of games. You, I mean, I, truthfully, I don't. No, no, I don't. NFL I absolutely going to have an effect on the game. Whether just it, there was just no. Heck, if anything, the Vikings' defense on those, you know, jumping off sides, I think they probably heard the uh, hard count probably a little clearer than they would have. Um, there's just no 
the energy that you feel in a in a packed football stadium when it's when it's roaring, um, it's hard to explain. But everybody knows it when they've been there, mm-hmm. and to take that away was probably one of the strangest sporting events I've been to. Maybe the strangest because it's just it's I don't was it uh, Harrison Smith that said it it feels like you're losing the whole game. You know, because you're at home. But yeah, I saw no, that quote. Yeah. There's no cheers or no anything, so it feels like you're losing. You know, if you're in a full stadium and you're getting bombed, you know, how people are just kind of sitting there watching. But it's even less than that because there's just no buzz. It was – yeah, I, I just think it's uh, – I think there's no such thing as home field advantage this year. I mean, it's, it's so weird to think that, but it, it's going to affect games, I think. Here's what I want, booing. I want them to pipe in, but you got to boo them off the field, piped in at halftime, yeah. don't well, you? That's the thing. They would have heard a lot of boos. They, they would have they would have gone to halftime under a cascade of boos if that would have been uh, if fans would have been there. You know, um, they have to try to do something because it's I don't. There's just no energy in there, and I don't know how you I don't know how you do that. You know, I don't know how you could, you fix that. Um, but it's it's definitely a very weird environment. If that place had been filled, and it certainly uh, partially would have been filled by Packer fans, but if that place had been largely filled by Vikings fans, I'm not asking if the Vikings win because they don't. How much different, though, is the score with Rodgers? Because he could literally, against that de- that defense, which is probably as bad a game as a Zim defense has played since he got here in 2014, Aaron Rodgers could do anything that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Like as far as changing things, there was there was nothing to stop him. Yeah, I don't know that it maybe a little bit uh, closer, but you know, the, the crowd would have been a, you know it'd been disruptive, it'd have been loud, but I still think the he would have picked on those cornerbacks. I, I don't think that would have changed. Um, so maybe the margin wouldn't have been so you know wide, but. Um, the way they were playing, I, I don't know that the crowd noise. Cause the crowd noise, the crowd would have been on their, you know, sitting on their hands most of the time, and watching him just kind of pick them apart. And booing cousins. And booing cousins. And the yeah. defense. Yes. Yeah. So it was. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I'm gonna be in Indy on Sunday. I, I, I read today they're letting in what 2,500 fans. Yeah. Which I think that's right. I'm curious to see what I assume that that stadium seat 70 or whatever 65,000. I'm curious to see what 2,500 fans in a 60,000 seat stadium sounds like. It's probably go- going to be not equally as bizarre as what we saw on Sunday, but my guess is it's probably going to be very weird though because it's going to be like a uh, spring training baseball game, right? Yeah, yeah, like just scattered sound, but not, but certainly not the the cohesive sound that ordinarily you get in a football stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's. I, and I assume they have the social distance. I assume they're going to use the whole stadium, right? So they're just going to be sprinkled yeah. everywhere, upper deck, lower deck. Probably a couple decks, yeah. That makes sense. Um, so it's not – now, I don't know. The Chiefs, I think they allowed in 15,000 on that opening night. Yes. That was actually sort of loud. You know, it wasn't like typical Chiefs crowd. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was just a couple of drunks, you know, screaming obscenities all the time, which that's what it might sound like Sunday if you can hear individual voices. You know, I'll be curious to hear that. But – um yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see because I'm sure the Vikings, you know, obviously they're going to want to get fans in there. and It's not going to start off at 50,000, so this might be a kind of a, a sneak preview of what it'll be when when uh, when they start to open their doors a little bit. If they play equally as bad on defense Sunday as they did against the Packers, mm-hmm. 
I say, no fans. That's fine. Don't need them. <laughs> Stay at home. 2,500 people <laughs> booing Zimmer's defense and booing Kirk Cousins is not what this team needs. I'd say, thank you very much. You know what? We've just decided this is a good year for no fans. In fact, don't even watch us play. That's fine. We'll be back in 2021. Yeah. So what's your, your guess? You think they play better Sunday? I think they do. I don't yes. think they'll win. I think they'll play better. Yes. Um, I think the offense will get on track, and, and I do think the defense will play better. I mean, heck, they can't play much worse, but um, I, I do think you'll see some improvement from that side. Here's my guess. Xavier Rhodes gives up at least two touchdowns. That would be. That's my guess. So I was reading our paper today. He, he gave up one in, in the opener, right? Yes. Three three catches he was targeted on. So and we were told that that he gave up that touchdown and uh, and his teammates looked at him like, what the heck was that? And Xavier in Xavier fashion now, 2020 looked completely befuddled as to how this possibly could have happened. I wonder if he's just done, Jeff. Oh, he's lost it. Yes, yes, because you know what? He was at one time an elite corner and was a great athlete. And I I contend, Chipper. If you lose that step or two yeah. at that position, that's, that's probably just it for you. Is that is that that's the one position where when you hit the cliff it's it's probably more noticeable than anywhere else, right? Yes. I, mean, I guess quarterback obviously, but yeah, but corners just huge. not having your legs and being able to run and keep up. That's it's called it's time to move to safety, Chip. Yeah, yeah. I mean and he's not gonna know, do that. When, and yeah, I mean that's do you really want to transition it? age 30 or whatever, no. 31. So, no. um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I know guys try to hang on, but just think about it. Like, you know, if you're in your early thirties and you, you know, you're trying to keep pace with guys that are 10 years younger and, um, just have all their athleticism still, it's hard. You know, I'm sure it's hard for those guys. Absolutely. Last thing, sir, it's time for our Vols update. Yeah. What's going on? Um, I think we're going to, Open up. I'm trying to see who we. Uh, I haven't even seen the revised schedule. Who do we open up with? But uh, SEC is. Um, I'm gonna call it up right now. SEC starting this the 26th. Okay. Not this weekend, but next. Okay. Um, although you see, like I saw Missouri's going to have like 12 guys out. So uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, but we were ranked 15th nationally. Were you really? Of course, there's only three conferences playing, so... Who cares? No, take what you can get, Chip. <laughs> That's the ultimate asterisk. Um, so, uh, no, they're open up on the 26th, uh, South Carolina, and, um, you know, we'll see if, if uh, you know, everybody's been kind of looking, made fun of the SEC for trying to do it. Now, every, you know, they look well, like... Everyone else trying to do it, yeah. But, but guess what? They haven't played a game yet, Judd, and that's, you know... I, I really hope this works. I'm a little bit pessimistic, you know, that that a lot of these games are not going to be canceled yep. but, um, or postponed. So, but yeah, the SEC is starting next week. So we'll see, right. see, you know. All right. So, Chip, here, here's my prediction. If a top SEC football school gets a long list of COVID-19 positive tests from players. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, that's, I have no idea. We're, we're playing ball Saturday. Well, that's the thing. I, I just saw a headline today, and, you know, my alma mater, Missouri, is going to be without 12 players against Alabama. Now, I don't know who those 12 players are, but, um, I mean, that's, I don't know. 
that seems like a pretty high number to say you're going to proceed. For, you know, you're going to lose twelve players, and you know that's the thing, Judge. Like this is on top of normal injuries. You well, know? I know, I know. Well, and and you know, at some point in time, odds would have to be that uh, that a pro team is going to have this run through their, their team, right? I'm not saying all pro teams, but yeah. I'm saying a National Football League team, the, the odds that every team are going to avoid this completely throughout the course of a months-long 2020 season seems to me to be a real long shot. Yeah, but, you know, the, the, I, I agree there, but I do think this, Judd, uh, real quick, that I think pro athletes are more likely to do what I said, home, yes. work, home. It's like they're not on campus. They're not, you know, hopefully they're not going to bars. I, I doubt they would this year. Um, and, you know, I just think, because there's a financial con- uh, component to it. I think you're right. And so when you introduce that on-campus thing, especially if, if kids start going back to classes, it's a lot easier if you're doing virtual learning. But if you're going back physically on campus to go to, in classrooms, I think then you're, you really could see some numbers spike, you know. Um, Are we sure football players aren't going to continue to, down the virtual path? Well, it, it would be interesting to see if, if coaches and AD say, you know what, can we make a stipulation where our athletes do virtual <laughs> online? And, you I know, know. Serious, because you have that option. I think every kid has that option. You know, my, you know, my daughter's in college. I, I wonder if she went to a professor and just said, I don't feel comfortable. Can I do it online? I don't think they would say no necessarily. Maybe they would. I don't know. But um, it's interesting. I mean, you think some of those SEC schools aren't talking about that? Because that's, that's your way of creating a bubble. You know, a Absolutely. bubble. You know, just saying, hey, we don't want you going to class. Just do it virtual online. You've been doing it for months anyway. So, um, I think they'll probably consider everything to try to make this work. You know, to try to keep the virus out of their locker room. So, hey, yeah. what what happened to, to the, the thought that we had about a month ago or so now about uh, from the top college football players forming some type of uh, player association or union? Yeah, I, nobody has said anything since. Uh, Trevor Lawrence came out on that. I don't know if that has if, if they got any lawyers to kind of help them through that process. Or it seemed like a it. good idea at the time to me. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything um, further on that. I think probably their focus was on just playing. You know, um, I hope it doesn't go away. You know, I hope, it's a good I hope idea. there's still some momentum. And, and so, I, I but I don't know like where it stands today. If I were a top player in college football right now. Mm-hmm. If I were real good and I decided I'm not going to opt out, I'm playing, I think I would go to the administration and say, I'm going to play, and you're going to pay me $100,000 because <laughs> I am your so- – you need me so bad right now, it's not even funny. Because mm-hmm. you're right about the whole thing is what? It's not about fans. It's about, no, it's about money. television. Yeah. It's about, uh, to your point, the college football playoff, which is about television and about revenue from television. Players have never had the leverage that they have right now, and I would pounce on that sucker and well, say, "You need me so bad, you're going to compensate me." And I don't. And if you're not going to, then I'm not playing for you. Yeah, and think about this. Yeah, that's on the on the, the Big Ten uh, conference call yesterday, and the Northwestern president was on there, and he got asked basically that same question um, because they don't have freshmen and sophomores on campus, and basically everything's online virtual online but even freshmen you know freshmen and sophomores they told them to stay home they're not physically on campus hmm. football players are yeah, i know football, football players are so i know you know we could talk about you know yes it's about the improved health and i do think that the rapid testing 
made them feel more at ease of going forward with this. But Chad, this is about money. Well, yeah, it, it, it's about money. And by know? the way, I'm fine with that. Let's just all acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Like, yeah, I don't let's care. Not, let's not be. Let's not. Yeah, it's like. And, and the other thing has come up too is like, well, why can't the average student um, have the daily rapid testing? And I understand that, you know, yes. but, but I'll use my daughter again. It's like, who's more valuable to Kansas, my daughter or a basketball player? Uh, yeah. Now I can say, I can, you know, in a perfect world, we'd be like, oh, they're even, they're, they're, they're students. Let's not be naive. You know, I mean. But that's not, but I mean, that, that to me, what you just said, though, let's just acknowledge it. Like, exactly. let's just get yeah. past this whole, the student athlete, and let's just say the revenue making student, which is what <laughs> they are, right. which, which is, well, look, I'll watch. I mean, yeah. I am guilty, but let's just call a spade a spade, and the students that go to class there are important to the process of the academics, but the academics are never going to come close to being as important, for the most part, as the athletics the and brand. football. And that, look, the Big Ten, the big, I think if the Big Ten had peeled back this entire thing in August and said, you know what, this is going to sound really harsh. But bleep soccer and all the other fall sports. All we're doing is football. We could have much easier, much easier gotten to where we were yesterday by acknowledging that. It's this whole thing that we're hiding behind yeah. that this is still about academics, right? No, Amateurism. it's not. No, Amateurism. it's not. And, yeah, it, yeah, I get I it. It is. Yeah, I get it's it. Like, they, they don't want to, you know, they, they think we're, we're fools, you know. It's like, no, this, this is amateur athletics and we've never put, it's not about money. Yes, it is. It, I know. It's, uh, you're asking, okay, then don't have a $130 million budget, you know. Don't charge outrageous, you know, prices for it. It is about money and it's okay to admit that, you know, but they, they have this fear that people are going to look at them, you know, in a negative light. It's like, well, guess what? This is, we're not dumb. And they already know? do. <laughs> <laughs> like those that don't like you don't like you. I know. I mean, it's it's okay to admit there's a money, a huge money component, you know, in, in this whole thing. So yeah, it's 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 kind of silly, but yeah, I mean, it's it's we're not naive, and it's 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 a big business, the billion dollar business. Great stuff, Chip Scoggins. Thanks All as right, always. Brother. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, safe All travels. Right, See you. Thanks, man. All right, conduits of trouble. We uh, do this once a week. We'll talk to you next week. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.